back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you our flagship show. Yep, it's just me flying solo. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, you won't have your normal lot of I Need No Name or Samarin or Tom or Schnitzel or Fergus or Teddy or Marcus. <laughs> Nobody was available, so I am going to bring you this one. And we have some stuff to talk about, that is for sure. Uh, Bayern Munich did pick up a win this weekend over Werder Bremen. You can see that this team, I don't want to say that they're dragging themselves across the finish line for this season, but they clearly want to wrap this title up and move on because this has been one tumultuous season. And I don't blame the boys right now. It is a very tough thing to watch because they've been put in this situation where they've had to adapt to two different coaches, two different philosophies, a number of different formations, a lot of different combinations of players, which has really made it hard to build that on-field chemistry over the course of this season. For sure, I didn't come away impressed beating Werder Bremen 2-1. Uh, yeah, I didn't really think at any point that Bayern Munich was threatened but I also didn't think they looked all that great. Now, there were some glimpses of hope. You did see some players start to look like they were getting their mojo back. And if you checked out Samarin's post-game show, I think you would have gotten a good idea of strategically how Bayern Munich was able to get their attack somewhat on track and the important role that the defense played and really just being that stability that the team needs at this point to let that attack get a little bit more courageous and be a little bit more creative. And I think that the more ingenuity that the attack can show and the more that those players start to feel like themselves again, the better this will be. The unfortunate part for all of that is there are just a few games left. And it's a tough time of the season to, to really try and build up any type of consistency or chemistry, especially when there are so many players going in and out of the lineup in every game, and Tuchel is still trying to implement his system, his style of coaching. It's a mess. It it really is. And you know, and I say I didn't come away all that impressed with the Werder Bremen match, and I will tell you I did not. It was not a superior effort from Bayern Munich. In a lot of ways, they are scuffling. Uh, I think that Tuchel's not always picking the best possible eleven. I. I don't know what's driving some of his selections. I mean, I guess we could fall back to the point where we think that it's based on training results and how players are performing in training, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't know where some of the selections are going. I don't get the insistence on continuing to roll out Sadio Mane at this point in favor of players like Leroy Sané or Thomas Muller or anyone else. I just feel like Mane, it hasn't been his season it hasn't clicked yet. It's probably not going to click. And I'm not sure that he's a long-term solution at Bayern Munich under Tuchel or any other manager. So at this point, I'm not saying it's time to move on from him just yet, but I'm saying for this season, you might want to roll with the other players who are at least a little bit more cohesive on the pitch. He still seems out of sync. And listen, he wasn't terrible against Werder Bremen, but this is not what Bayern Munich signed up for when they made that big splash last summer. He has not been the impactful presence 
that you would want from a player of his stature. So very disappointed in Tuchel selections. Now, when we talk about Tuchel selections, one of the names that that always rises to the top is Thomas Muller, because at this point, you have to really start to wonder if Tuchel is, I don't want to say pushing Muller out the door, but letting him know that he is no longer part of the starting 11 and that he probably won't have a big role on the team next season. And I think that is a valid kind of theory to have because if you look at the way that Mueller has performed over the course of the season, when he's been given opportunities, he has typically stepped up to the plate and done really well. I think that over the course of this year, he's probably been one of the team's top five players in my estimation uh, over the course of the season. Now, when Julian Nagelsmann got sacked, inevitably, I think a lot of people were, at least a lot of the hashtag Mueller Mafia was under the assumption that Tuchel was going to come in, right the ship, and just give Mueller that same responsibility that he had under Flick. The, the thinking in that was flawed because Nagelsmann had just really, in the, I guess his final two to three months, had figured out how to use Muller effectively, how to use him in conjunction with Jamal Musiala and really make the team operate at its best. But thinking that Tuchel was going to come in, run a standard 4-2-3-1, we were going to see Muller at the 10 and Musiala pushed back out the wing, that was not going to happen. Now, Musiala is the primary reason that Muller is not in the lineup. Unfortunately, with Musiala getting this, this really this jolt into an every game starter, he has slumped horribly uh, against Werder Bremen. I thought he was below average. I, I just didn't think it was a good match for him. And it has been pretty ugly since the World Cup. Now, we all know that he really scuffled at the World Cup, really struggled with his finishing. And I do think that that's had some effect on him. I think part of it is a mental block that he's got going on. He's in a slump and doesn't know how to get out of it. You have to think that this kid has always been at the top of his footballing class. He has always been one of the players that a coach could turn to and say, he's going to dominate the game for me when I need it. Can't do that right now. So that's got to be mentally fatiguing him a little bit. Physically, he's gotten beat up. Now, again, I sound like a hypocrite with some of this because I don't want him to get bulkier or bigger or anything like that because I think how lithe and slender he is works with his game. Unfortunately, right now, he's trying to do too many 1v1s. He's running in the bigger, stronger players, and he's just physically getting wrecked. Uh, his, his movements, I think, laterally have slowed a little bit because I think he's just a little bit beat up. It doesn't mean that he's not going to get that explosiveness back. I think it's still there. I just think he can't always go to the well as much as he needs to because his body is sore. This is a, a tough physical league in the Bundesliga. And I think that a lot of people overlook that fact. So when you put him in the middle of the park and you're going to have him matched up against center backs and physical defensive midfielders, he's not going to win a lot of those battles. Now, what you want from him is to be in positions where they can't touch him and to use that speed and that agility to, to work through tight spaces without absorbing that contact. But unfortunately, he's definitely going through some confidence issues. He's going through some things in his head where he's probably doubting himself. And when you do that, you make yourself more susceptible to contact. You start rushing decisions. You force things. 
And I think that's really just part of the evolution of of him as a player right now. He's going through this down period. And a lot of what happens with him moving forward will be determined by how he handles this. And I think the kid has a great mindset, a good mentality. I think he will rebound through this. But right now, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say he's the best option to play the 10 for Bayern Munich. And I've been I've been beating this drum for weeks. Put the kid on the wing. Let him be matched up against some outside backs. Let him get himself into some 1v1s. Regain that confidence. Create some offense from the outside in rather than vice versa. Give him a chance. Right now, if you just continue to stick him in the same spot – you're going to get the same result that you've been getting for the last two months. And it hasn't been good. And part of me does wonder if this kind of thing is going to have a mental effect on him moving forward. I think he's got the perseverance to get through it, but every player handles these things differently. They handle these valleys differently when they have their down periods. There's no reason to think Musiala is, is never going to emerge from this, but I think Tuchel could do him a favor, push him out wide and let him act a little more freely and not have to worry about getting beat up so much in the middle of the park. Leave that to a veteran like Muller who can help dictate the pace of the game, who can help create space and who can help give Musiala opportunities to attack from the outside. I think Muller's presence right now is really vital. And listen, I'm not in the, in the Muller mafia. I've never been, uh, I guess, inducted into that. I've never had the blood ceremony. And there have been many times over the past few years where I have criticized Mueller because there have there have absolutely been games where he has not brought his top performance, where he has looked slow, where he looked like he was slumping a bit. We absolutely have seen Mueller get into mental funks, but he has proven himself to be able to get out of those, rebound, and still have an excellent season. With Musiala, I think that Tuchel's going to have to get creative and figure something out for him. Because the more he continues to roll him out in this scenario, the, the harder it's going to be. And it's not just me saying this. You're starting to see a lot of the German media start to catch on to this in, in terms of really noticing that Musiala has been struggling. Now, it, it, it's funny because he has really developed this armor where you can't criticize him within the club or even in Germany. He has really endeared himself to so many people and to the media that Nobody wants to criticize the kid. He's a good kid. He is he is one of the people, one of the athletes that when you see play, there's a joy in how he plays and you want him to succeed. So it is difficult at times to criticize those kind of people. And you could say the same thing about Mueller, but I think one of the things that allows me to, to be able to do those things and why sometimes it does piss off Bayern fans when I'm critical of players like that, and Alfonso Davies would be another one, when I was coming through when I was a kid and I was in college, I, I really wanted to be a sports writer coming through. And and I started at a very young age doing that. And this was, before, believe it or not, I'm going to date myself. This was before really blogs took off. It was before the internet became a sensation that took over sports journalism. So I was writing for a newspaper. I was trained by journalists, guys that were hardened newsroom types, can't be a fan. They're cheering in the press box, blah, 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 all of it. And I absorbed it because that's what I wanted to do with my career. Now, ultimately, I ended up going into business because, frankly, there was more money in 
when when I was offered a job uh, at a at a newspaper, the difference in pay was so significant that it would have been a step back in my career to actually do something that I wanted. Now, in retrospect, it was a little bit short sighted because I think had I stuck with sports journalism full time, I would have been on that. I guess verge of people that that came through that started doing more multimedia things started pushing the envelope in terms of having a voice that that wasn't just the standard sports journalism columnist voice. Uh, so I came through all of that, right? And I got this experience. And the one thing that I think I took to heart the most was being able to look at a player or a game or a coach and being able to assess them for their performance, no matter how you feel about them personally. And that was a big thing that I had to get through. Uh, and I had covered everything from local games to professional games, been in professional locker rooms, interviewed professional athletes. Uh, I was able to do all of that really on a part-time basis as I was gaining experience, uh, thinking that that's what I was going to do with my career. So when I go through and I, I look at this Bayern Munich team, I can look at someone like Thomas Muller and say, I love the way that that guy plays. I think he is one of the most important figures in the history of the club. But I can also tell you when he's had a bad game. And I think that's where I'm at with Jamal Musiala. It's where I've been all season with Alfonso Davies, where that kid to me, again, totally energizing. He is a refreshing uh, jolt to Bayern Munich, he, to, to football in general. But it hasn't been good, and I'm not afraid to say that. And I know that that does piss people off. But when you get in these situations and you're trying to assess a roster, you do have to start to leave some of your personal feelings aside. And when you look at Thomas Muller, to, to me, I think he's a player that, yeah, I think right now he's one of the best 11. I think if you're trying to win a league title and you're trying to wrap that up, you need him in the lineup. I think that just makes logical sense. So when I see Tuchel exclude him, where I draw a conclusion is that Tuchel is one sending Mueller the message that he's no longer one of the integral figures on this team in terms of performing. He's not going to be a player that's going to get his number called the rest of this season. Now he might, but I'm saying he's not going to be a regular starter. And I think this sets the stage to let him know that next year it's going to be the same thing. And if he doesn't like it, the summer transfer window is his opportunity to move on. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. I know a lot of people think that and maybe I'm talking on my backside with that, but Tuchel is a smart guy. He is a, a coach that is absolutely going to send these types of messages without having to send them directly. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. So when you see Brazo come out and say, it's a coach's decision why Mueller doesn't start, and you see the CEO, Oliver Kahn, say the same thing, this is Tuchel's nonverbal communication to Mueller that you're not one of my guys now. So I don't think it means that Tuchel wants to get rid of Mueller. I think he's letting him know that it's time to move on from thinking you're a starting 11 player under my reign as manager. So there are a lot of people very unhappy about this. Some on the BFW staff, a lot in the community, and then you have the other side of it where we have people that are ready to to see this next generation, but you can't always push for something that's not there yet. And Musiala, I think a lot of us thought that he was there, that he was going to be the guy. But right now he's scuffling, just like a lot of young players do when, when given this 
added responsibility. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's a situation where Musiala is going to, to, to be a great player and he's going to get through this, but to do what's right for the team right now and to probably do what's best for the player himself, I would take Musiala out of the 10. I'd play him a little bit on wing. Hell, I'd probably even sit him a game, just let him clear his head. Uh, and that's how I would handle it because I think if you're, if you're Thomas Tuchel, you might have your eye on the long range plans, but you got to win the league right now. And right now, it is no sure thing. I mean, Borussia Dortmund, I mean, they just killed Wolfsburg earlier today on Sunday. So there is there's no doubt in my mind that they're still pushing for this. And as much as I might think they don't have a championship mentality, they're going to push this to the end. So I think Tuchel's going to have to make some adjustments. I think he's going to have to figure some things out. But he cannot lose sight of what is most important for this season, and that's winning a league title. And a lot of what Tugel, in terms of how he's assessing things, we're starting to see how certain decisions he makes with his lineups are playing out. We've seen a lot of reliance on Jao Cancelo, and I think that's coincided, one, with the injury to Davies, Pavard being necessitated to, to push inside because Upamakano has been hurt. So if the club really wanted to get a better look at Jao Cancelo, they are getting it because they have to right now. I think Tuchel would have actually done it anyway because I think he he definitely wants to push to keep Cancelo. I just don't know if the club is convinced that he's worth as much as it will take to get him. I think when you when you see Nusarma's rally rolled out there, I think that's a good thing because he's been unhappy. I think Tuchel needs to get a firm understanding of what Mizrawi can do. And I think Mizrawi has shown that over the course of this season, he's a good player. How he can do it, you know, over the course of a full season next year. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what kind of role he has. If he's a starter, if he, uh, you know, still is one of the players on the outside looking in at the starting 11. Uh, either way, this gives Tuchel the opportunity to to get to see him in a spot where, yeah, he's got to use him anyway. So why not? Because even if you look at the, the right back position, I mean, Josip Stadizic is even hurt right now. So a lot of those guys that are along the back line, Tuchel's going to have a firm understanding of how they play and how they fit into what he wants to do. Luckily for him, he's got a great core to start with because Delict, Pavar, Upamakano, they've all had really good seasons despite Upamakano's recent struggles. Luke Hernandez, I don't think it's even questionable that he is a top performer. What the only thing that's questionable about him is how he responds to this ACL tear and does he have that same kind of explosiveness that he needs to play the way that he does. You know, you look at Tuchel's decision to to go with Ryan Gravenberg this week. Again, necessitated because Leon Goretzka was out, suspended because of yellow card accumulation. Gravenberg, I thought, handled himself well. He did really good in duels. He did good completing his passes. I thought he could have been on the ball more. At times, he disappeared, got lost in the shuffle. Not so much of a knock on him as a young player in the Bundesliga. That's going to happen in the central midfield. Uh, but luckily for him, Kimmich, Joshua Kimmich had just a fantastic game, was able to cover up for some of those things. But it was a positive step forward for Gravenberg. Unfortunately for Gravenberg, he's gone through this season and it's been uh, just really one of those things that you don't like to see. And I, I covered this in a couple of times in different podcasts and also on the site, but 
to me, Gravenberg is in a very odd situation because he is a player who obviously wanted to be a part of Bayern Munich. He wanted to play for the club. He was invested in playing for the club. And, and I have theorized all along that he had to be made some kind of promises that, he, that have gotten him this upset that he hasn't been used more because otherwise when you're this young, when you're, you're that young of a player, you almost never have the expectation that you're going to step into Bayern Munich and get all of this playing time. I mean, it, it generally never works out that way. So whatever happened, whatever was discussed in those negotiations, Gravenberg obviously came away thinking something different than, than what actually played out. Uh, so, you know, he's been unhappy. He's used the media three times, even after his agent kind of said, I don't even know why he's so mad. And, and people think I'm harping on that, but it's all part of this narrative because you've got this good, talented player, but he is immature to make some of the decisions that he made and how he handled this situation. He didn't even talk to the club executives before he went to the media for the third time. And I'm not saying you damn the kid for that. I'm not even saying you get rid of him for that. I think if you like him and you think he can be a talented part of your future, you hang on to him. The problem is he really might be on un so unhappy that he's pushing to get out. And if he is pushing to get out, we've seen Liverpool interested. We've seen Manchester United interested. And most recently we saw Manchester City being interested in him as well. And, you know, on the surface, it might look like Man City doesn't have a room for him, but in fact, they probably do because Ilkay Gundogan is most likely moving on. Bernardo Silva is consistently in transfer rumors uh he's been you know most linked to psg and fc barcelona so it does look like there will be some room in the central midfield at man city if they decide they want to make a full court press for him and and as much as byron wants him i do think this decision is going to be up to gravenberg because i think if he is that unhappy he is going to request for a move especially if he thinks he's going to get more time at either liverpool or Man United, or Manchester City. Now, with Liverpool, it's also very interesting because they are also going through somewhat of a turnover in their central midfield. And it seems weird to say that you have these two power clubs in the Premier League that could potentially offer Ryan Gravenberg more playing time than Bayern Munich in the lowly Farmers League Bundesliga. But that really might be how it plays out. Yashua Kimmich, in my mind, is the six. I think he should remain the six and he should dedicate himself to being the best six he could be. Has he gotten away from all of those things that made him transition to the position so easily? Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely has. But I think it's all still there. It's all in his genetic makeup to be a good six. And I think if you compliment him with Leon Goretzka, who in my mind still is a good player, I know a lot of you don't think that, but box to box wise being a threat, when he's teamed up with Kimmich and Kimmich knows and understands his role as the six, that's a very effective duo. Uh, even the inclusion of Conrad Limer next year gives them a little bit different of a, of a look. I mean, Limer is a pressing machine. He, he does that box-to-box -box role a little bit differently than Goretzka. It could be a good alternative. I think you could actually play Limer and Goretzka together as well. But if you keep Gravenberg in the mix, you're going to have four good options in the central midfield. None of that even includes... If Marcel Sabitzer comes back and somehow the club convinces him to stay because I thought Sabitzer had a terrific season uh, for Bayern Munich in the Hinrunda and then has really 
shown himself to be premier league quality as well during his loan with Manchester United. Now, I think he will move on, but you still have this potential of having really this five-player world-class midfield, which under Tuchel, if he sticks to this two-central midfielder system, I mean, it really looks like for only two spots. So, yeah, sure, Sabitzer probably moves on. But I think Gravenberg, even with Sabitzer likely moving on, is going to assess the situation and say, all right, well, you have Kimmich, you have Goretzka, you have Limer. I might think I'm better than all of them, but does Tuchel? And will the club back me and, and help push me in, into the starting 11? And will I get that backing from those same executives that brought me in to, to work with the coach to get me in that 11? And, and what we've seen from Brazo and Khan is that they are going to let the coaches coach right now anyway. I don't think that's always been the case with Brazo. I think he has absolutely done some strong arming in the past for certain players that he's brought in. I don't think he's got that type of stature within the club at this point. I think, you know, with the way things have played out over the course of this season, that he and Khan are both on somewhat shaky ground because people are questioning them, not just fans, but also in the media and pundits who, I mean, some of these pundits have long and story histories with the club, Lothar Matthaus, uh, Didi Haman. These are, these are ex-players who, have closely followed Bayern since they have retired from the game. And they have been extremely critical of the Bayern Munich executives and how they've handled everything this season from transfers to firing the manager. So there's a lot going on. You've got this whole Gravenberg situation. You've got trying to convince Kimmich that he's going to have to, to be that six. And he can be it. And I firmly believe that Iron doesn't need to go out and get Declan Rice. They don't need to go out and spend nine figures on him. Would it be nice to have him? Sure. But I think you could get Kimmich to play that role. And I think over the course of the last few games, he has started to morph back into that role that where he is, listen, he's not going to be the, the destroyer that Javi Martinez was, right? But he can be that ball distributor, that good defender who can really control the tempo of the match. And I think that that's where Kimmich could really assert himself in that position and help the team. And if he can commit to that, and it allows whoever the hell Byron lines up at the eight next year to run a little more freely, to play that box-to-box role, knowing that they have the stability of a very good defense and Yashua Kimmich behind them, I think you're going to get those results in the attack that you want. I think it's going to be a big asset. But you need Kimmich's buy-in, and you need to have those weapons who are going to be at the eight perform and Gretzka is going to be one who's going to have to up his performance. Gravenberg, if he gets the opportunity and he sticks with the club, he's also going to have to up his own performance and Limer, he's going to have to come in and show himself. Of course, I'm also on record as thinking Limer is going to, to be a one and done with Bayern Munich. So we'll see what happens there. But Gravenberg's situation will be one for us to monitor because if he does decide he wants to go, he'll have no shortage of suitors. One of the other big stories this week, aside of really breaking down what happened in the match with Werder Bremen and, and all of kind of how Tuchel has handled this lineup, has been really what's going to happen with the nine position next season. And we've now started to slowly see names leaked to the media of players who are not on the list. So you could say Victor Osiman, no longer under consideration, Dusan Vlahovic, Nicholas Fulkrug. They're all out. Marcus Turam, out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's now a, a pretty 
skim list. I mean, like there's not many people on it. And the most prominent name, the player who's been most closely linked is Randall Kolomwani. Now, Kolomwani is not one of these players who's going to jump off the page to you. Um, he's had a very good season at Eintracht Frankfurt, but <sighs> it's one of those situations where I don't know that he is the exact profile that Bayern Munich wants for the type of striker they that they're going to want. If 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 Robert Lewandowski is that prototype, I don't think Kolo Moani is going to be the type of player who's going to come be able to come in and play like that. I honestly think that Kolo Moani would be better in a, a system with two up top where he could get in wide spaces and break a defense down from the outside. I don't think he's going to ever be the target man type striker that I feel like Bayern Munich wants moving forward. Now, in 42 games across all competitions, Kolomwani has, has handled himself well. He's got 21 goals, 15 assists, which is great. And, and you know, that's 36 goal contributions in 42 games and not too shabby. It's not Robert Lewandowski level when he was at Bayern Munich, but it's pretty good. When you look at his performance in the Bundesliga through 29 matches, he has 13 goals and 12 assists. Again, very good numbers in terms of goal contributions, 25 and 29 games. What does worry me is the 13 goals. And obviously in the Bundesliga this season, <laughs> it has not been uh, it has not been anyone really lighting the world on fire. Uh, Nicholas Fulkrug of Werder Bremen, who missed the last match against Bayern Munich, so he didn't get a chance to add to his total, only has 16. And then you, you see that you have Colomani and Marcus Turam, uh, and, uh, Vincenzo Grifo, and Christopher and Kunku all at 13. It's it's not been a banner year for goal scores in the Bundesliga. So I do think there's a little bit of hype surrounding Kolomuani. And I feel like because he's one of the top goal scorers in the Bundesliga, he's getting a little bit extra attention. But I don't think he fits into what Bayern Munich is going to want to do. And if they're going to stick to the system that has one striker that's going to be a target man type, I don't think Kolo Moani is going to be that player. Uh, and it's not a knock on him because I think if he could go to Real Madrid or PSG or another Chelsea or whoever might be interested in him uh, and, and play in more of a system where he can get wide and be part of a two-man system up top, I think he would do really well there. I just don't think that it would work at Bayern Munich for him. And I think he would end up profiling more as a wing, which you might already have that kind of player, Matisse Tell. So uh, yeah, it does worry me that that Bayern is considering breaking the bank for a player like Kolo Moani, who, who might not give them exactly what they need. And if you need to start using him in a wide position, You've already got a plethora of wings who can all do a very good job for you. And you have Jamal Musiala, who might be the best of the lot at wing, and you don't even use him there anyway. So I'm not too keen on Kolo Moani. Uh, he is getting interest from Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, PSG, uh, among others. So there are going to be suitors for him. There are going to be clubs that that might consider getting up into that nine-figure figure range that Eintracht Frankfurt wants. I don't think he's worth it at this point. I think if he plays another year at Frankfurt, I think you're, you might see similar numbers, but I don't think you're going to see the type of growth 
that you might have seen when Robert Lewandowski broke through. And I don't want to compare everybody to Lewandowski. There's obviously only one of him. And hell, he might come back this year because I'm fully expecting FC Barcelona to have to give several players the boot, including Lewandowski and, and maybe Usman Dembele, who has been once again linked to Bayern Munich, which is an absolutely crazy rumor. Uh, and we can touch on that briefly, but I just don't think that that Colomani is going to be that player. Um, and like I said, if Messi goes back to Barca, maybe you actually have a chance to get Lewandowski back. And quickly about Usman Dembele, we did see Mondo Deportivo report that Bayern Munich is is interested in him because of Thomas Tuchel's previous relationship with Dembele. I have no interest in that relationship being <laughs> renewed. Uh, listen, Dembele is probably one of the top players in the world in terms of pure talent. When you take his ability, uh, his one tactical ability in terms of how he plays, or technical ability, I should say, his physical ability, it's tough to find a match that, that really could top him when he's at the top of his game. He, I mean, it's a, he is a tough player to deal with. Unfortunately, he's he's had some issues in terms of how he handles things, his own maturity as a player. Um, I'm not interested in that right now. I think it would cost too much money, and I, I'm happy with the wings, believe it or not. I'm okay with all of them coming back. If Sadio Mane it's determined that he needs to go, I'm okay with letting him go too. Uh, I think you know, in some ways it makes sense to let Mane go because I don't think he's a fit. But, you know, if you can if you can get over the fact that you think you need to play him, like I feel like Nagelsmann and Tuchel both have been kind of under the gun feeling like maybe they have to play him. And, and you know, I touched on Brazo not not pushing for those kind of things. And I don't necessarily think he is. But I do think because of who Mane is that these coaches have felt pressure uh, because he's listen, he is a star and. Who wants to be the coach that leaves your star on the bench? Well, unless it's Thomas Muller, then apparently you have no problem with that. But, you know, I think that Mane's situation is unique and that he could stay or he could go and it doesn't matter to me. But I'm I'm comfortable with the wings, comfortable with Coman and Sané and Gnabry, and, and that might be a little controversial. But I don't think you need to go and get Dembele. I don't think he's going to give you much more than what those players could do, especially if he's used in in a rotation like you know that he would be. So, um, you know, I wouldn't put too much weight into that rumor. I hope like hell that he is not the solution in one of the big moves because that would be disappointing to me, as exciting of a player as he is. Uh, I'm just not feeling that one. So, anyway, uh, we did touch on the Werder Bremen match. We touched on Tugel and how he's handling the roster and also those latest rumors on Kolomolani, Gravenberg and Dembele. So that will wrap us up for this flagship show. I appreciate you dealing with me. I know you've heard my voice a lot, so uh, it's probably grating on you a little bit. So hopefully we can get some of the other folks uh, more in the mix once their schedules open up. But I appreciate you joining this flagship show. As always, you can get me at the Brow blog on Twitter. You can get the site on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. You can get the Tweetmeister, Tom Adams, who needs to get his butt in front of a microphone at Tommy Adams 71 uh, you can get, I need no name at BFWINNN. You can get all of our wonderful and talented writers and podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We've been doing some great work lately. No, I'm not referencing my own work. I'm talking about the work that the rest of the team is doing. I know some of you don't like what I do. So 
Um, <laughs> but hey, I like hearing about it. I like reading it. So always provide some entertainment as always with me. You know, I love the interaction, the comments, and I like that uh, you guys give us the honest feedback on how you feel on the team, uh, on the club itself, and on us. So it always keeps things fresh. But I do appreciate you joining me. And uh, hey, we'll see you next time. And for me, the next time will probably be the preview show where I'll take a look at Bayern Munich's upcoming match next weekend, which I believe is against Schalke. So uh, hopefully I'm right on that because I would feel pretty dumb if I wasn't. But uh, hey, check me out on that. Check me out on the site. And then we'll see you next time.